to give you an example, there was a press release where it was stated that in two weeks, the COVID passport will be ready so you can use it if you're traveling or if you're going into a restaurant or whatever. When we heard that press release, we didn't know that we had to deliver that solution. Hello and a very warm welcome to this, our second series of transformation stories from the award-winning Valtec Cafe. Last year, we spoke to more than 25 global brands and industry experts about their experiences of digital transformation. And this series is no different. From airlines to retailers, manufacturers to healthcare companies, this is a podcast series that strips away the digital buzzwords and challenges what we all thought we knew about our industry. Covering topics from the circular economy to customer experience, emerging tech to composable architectures, we're removing the filters and getting to the bottom of what's really going on in digital today. I'm Tizzy Philp, and welcome to the podcast. We talk regularly about the impact of data, and indeed in this series we've already interviewed clients and experts to talk about the collection and application of data insights to drive value. But what about when the value of your data isn't just based in new revenue opportunities, but instead is acting as a primary source of information for citizens in the midst of a global health crisis? That's the basis of our conversation today, and I'm delighted to be joined by Therese Torstrom, user consultant from Health TK, to get into the details. Together, we'll discuss the challenges and opportunities surrounding health data in particular, and how the last few years have shifted our own expectations around the access to and utilization of our own health data. So Therese, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Let's start, as ever, with some introductions. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more about you and your role at HealthDK. To tell a bit about myself, I have a master's degree in anthropology from the University of Copenhagen. And I've basically worked with health and digital health for the last decade, first within the hearing aid industry, then in the startup world at a private consultancy company. And uh, for the last three and a half years, I've been at Sunhill DK, which is translated into Health DK. At uh, Health, I work as a user consultant and uh, anthropologist, and I kind of see myself as an ambassador for our users. So our users are both citizens in Denmark and healthcare professionals working many different places in the healthcare sector in Denmark. And what I do is that I drive different research projects that are kind of design thinking, UX-minded, with a focus on innovation and strategy. And I also give advice on smaller UX projects. And recently, we've also started a user panel to get easier access to our different users. And actually, within one and a half year, we have close to 3,000 participants in our panel. So I'm quite pleased about that. Wow, that's great. Yeah. I said in the introduction there that we're setting the scene around the data conversation here. So maybe let's start with an introduction to 
setting the scene a little around the data setup of health DK at the moment and what's the challenge that we're facing? Yeah, of course. Well, Health Decay has existed since uh, 2003, and our organization is not an authority, but we kind of represent the health authorities in Denmark. So that is the five regions of Denmark, the 98 municipalities, and the Ministry of Health. And what we do is that we kind of have two sides of our website, which is like the open access website where you can access a lot of general data and information about health diseases, treatments, where to get treatment, comparing different prices for dentists and stuff like that. And then we kind of have the logged in side for both citizens and healthcare professionals And here we kind of gather data from more than 120 data sources across the healthcare sector in Denmark. So whenever you log in, we're kind of this window showing and collecting the different data from around the healthcare sector. And that is actually something that's decided by law in Denmark that as a citizen, you need to be able to access your own health data, because you own it. It's your data. A great introduction. And I don't think anyone could uh, forget what we've gone through over the last couple of years. And I'm wondering how the last few years and months have highlighted the importance of data when it comes for the need for it to be well presented. What have you found over the last period? Well, to look a bit further back before COVID, we've done a lot of research where we've gotten a lot of feedback from our users because we're, we're in the world to make sure that we empower patients and people get access to the right kind of knowledge. And for the healthcare professionals, sometimes it can be about life or death, actually, that they are able to access data nationally if they get patients at hospital from a different region or something like that. So it's access to data and patient empowerment that's the key. But what we've also discovered is that even though people are very happy about getting access, we've also known that it can be difficult to know what you should use your health data for and that people feel alienated when they look at their data. And that's most of the times because it's written by a healthcare professional to other healthcare professionals. So it's written in not like an everyday language. And sometimes people feel stupid because they find it difficult to understand it and perhaps also difficult to navigate. So that's kind of what we knew when we've been doing like design thinking research prior to COVID. And then we were working on this and trying to improve and then COVID hit us and we've been quite busy (laughs) since then on making sure that people are able to access their COVID test result, look and print out perhaps their COVID passport. And if they don't know how to do this, we have a big support team. It kind of grew from four people to 84 (laughs) during COVID. We developed a chatbot and other different solutions in order to help the citizens and the healthcare professionals in Denmark during the pandemic. 
And what we kind of saw during the pandemic was that this knowledge that we had from previously from the uh, pandemic were really pinpointed during the pandemic because people didn't know how to find that test result. They couldn't understand the test result. So we actually had to make new solutions so it was easier to navigate our website and our app as well. And it was easier to to understand the results. So we were kind of put on the spot and us as UX researchers and user researchers, we've been knowing this for years and trying to push the user agenda, but other projects has been prioritized before that. So the pandemic kind of pinpointed what we knew from before, but we kind of had to change it because the whole public was watching and we were like on breaking news all of the time in the media. <laughs> so, yeah. So almost the pandemic was what we needed to be able to make a change for, for the longer term anyway. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more later on about exactly how you responded to the huge increase in demand on your services post-pandemic or during the pandemic. But I just want to focus a little bit more on what you said just there about this data being presented or written or created by healthcare professionals for healthcare professionals rather than putting the users at the center because this isn't an isolated story, is it? And when we consider the current setup, uh, the current data setup of public health bodies, we see similar instances of this across the industry. This is an industry-wide problem, isn't it? Well, it really is. Now I've also worked in, in the private sector, in the hearing aid industry, and that was also what I found when I was working there. So it's quite difficult because when it's decided politically that you need access to your health data, you get access to the tools of the healthcare professionals. So it's the way they communicate and they don't think that much about who is the recipient on the other end, because they only think about their colleagues. So people can get quite surprised when they go to the journal from hospital and see what the doctor wrote to them. Sometimes they can be quite surprised and sometimes they are simply not able to, to understand and from talking with healthcare professionals, they also feel that they want to give many of these messages in a dialogue with their patients. So they really want the dialogue, but sometimes it's a matter of time and resources when it comes to this. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting dimension that we've entered now where we as citizens are so much more connected to our health data. I guess unless you've been dealing with a long-term health condition where you've had to be more involved or, or, or know more about your records or your data, but for the greater population who have just all been thrown in this together, we're all looking for different information. We're all exposed to something that we've, we've never been exposed to before. Mm. You saw a particularly distinctive change over the COVID period, clearly. Can you tell us more about some of those increases in visits, the demands on your internal systems and the data and what you had to do to respond to that more directly? Yes, it kind of, for the rest of the world, the pandemic was quite a shock to us and not least to our systems 
because they weren't ready to have that many visitors. To give you an example, before the pandemic, in a very good month, we had around 4 million visits to our site and perhaps 400,000 unique citizens who were logging in to see their health data. And it's still quite a big number when you look at how many people we are in Denmark. We are around 5.8 million people in Denmark. So it's it's still a huge amount. But during the pandemic, to give an example of like last spring where the COVID passport came, we had close to 10 million visits in a month and close to 2 million unique citizens logging in during only a month. So, of course, it's been a huge transition for us and we had to deliver solutions really, really fast, faster than we could have possibly imagined. So what's been really positive is that the different stakeholders that we're communicating with and working with, they have been very good at acting fast and also been very willing to look into what's best for the users, what's best for the citizens. and. To give you an example, there was a press release where it was stated that in two weeks, the COVID passport will be ready so you can use it if you're traveling or if you're going into a restaurant or whatever. When we heard that press release, we didn't know that we had to deliver that solution. Wow. (laughs) Panic. Yeah. So in in two weeks, we delivered that solution. So we've been working with a really fast pace, but it's been an incredible journey for us, actually. And it's been really interesting to be part of this journey. Because you really had to shift from a, a nice to have to a need to have sort of situation, didn't you, very quickly. What kinds of things are we talking about when you're talking about delivering fast? What did you actually do? Well, we've been delivering a COVID test result solution with also with notifications because we experienced that people would log on to our website several times a day because they were waiting for the test result to be ready. So when the health minister said, I want notifications (laughs) for the COVID test results, he got them. And this was actually something that we've also been talking about for years, that we knew our users wanted notification for test results, for example, for blood tests or other kinds of tests. So we delivered that. We delivered the COVID passport, and there's different kinds of passports for immunity, for your vaccination or for your test result. We delivered a solution called COVID meter, where citizens of Denmark each week answer different questions in a questionnaire. We delivered video consultation, actually in a collaboration with a private company. We delivered support for not only our own solutions, but also other solutions like the website where you order your vaccine and stuff like that. A chatbot as well, and that's just a handful of some of the things that we've been delivering through the pandemic. So a lot, and and 
obviously with your background too, I'm interested in, from a user perspective, how have you made this? How have you been able to present this data in a, in a better way for citizens? How have you been able to improve the user experience through all of this? Well, we haven't had that much time to involve the users. So we kind of needed to make use of the knowledge we have because we have been doing a lot of research. So it was, you know, like small stuff, like looking into what are the search history during the last couple of weeks. Okay, we can see that everyone is searching for COVID passport. And everyone is calling our support team because they don't know how to find their COVID passport. So we'll make a button at the front page where you can find your COVID passport. So it's like small tweaks like that to make it easier. And I will say that if you log into our website, it's kind of like a big menu in like if you were at a restaurant in a country where you didn't speak the language. It's like a big menu where you don't know how to decode what it really says because it's all of these words that are from the authorities, but it's not a very everyday kind of language. So we've tried to make like a COVID area on the logged in. And we've also made like a big theme page where you can find other websites as well that gives information about COVID to make it more accessible. I want to just touch on something you mentioned there around the language piece, because when we were having a conversation in, in preparation for this discussion, you mentioned something really interesting about accessibility and making this available to all the citizens of mm. Denmark, whether or not they speak Danish. And I'm wondering if you can tell us more about what you found. Yes, so right now I'm actually doing a research project on ethnic minorities in Denmark and if they use and how they use our platform because we don't offer an English version, for example, and we don't. We only offer a Danish version of our website and of our different apps. And to give an example, one of our apps where you can also access your COVID test result and passport it has over 5 million downloads now. And before COVID, it had less than 100,000. So a lot of Danes has taken this app and used it like in their daily lives. But actually 10 to 12% of the population in Denmark, they haven't been born in Denmark. They come from both other Western countries and non-Western countries where there's a different healthcare system, there's a different kind of government, there's a different culture, you think differently about health, and perhaps you use digital tools and your smartphone in different ways than we do in Denmark. And it's difficult to figure out where to go, what to do, and, and how to use these different digital tools and if you live in Denmark, Denmark is really one of the front runners in being digital when it comes to the public sector. So as a citizen in Denmark, you kind of need to be digital. But what if you cannot speak the language? It's difficult enough to perhaps understand some of the information about health in Danish if you're a Dane. So how is it if you're not a Dane and, and have to look into this and understand your COVID test result? 
So we've had a lot of people contacting our support. We can see in our chatbot that people are writing questions even in Greek and other other languages. So there is an opportunity space for us to figure out how to help people living in Denmark who doesn't speak Danish. But it's also a really huge political discussion. But as a user consultant and as an ambassador of our users, I need to be able to understand these users better and then see which kind of collaborations that we need to do and what to do about this in the future. And to be honest, for me as an anthropologist, I've been uh, looking a bit away when people have been asking uh, me this question during the last couple of years, like, why isn't it in English? Or I'm trying to help a co-worker who's recently moved here. And I've been like, yeah, sorry, I I cannot help you. So I, I really hope that we can do something about this. And in general, with digital inclusiveness, also focusing on seniors in Denmark who are not comfortable or skeptic with digital tools or people with disabilities. As a public website and public uh, digital provider, we need to include all people when we design. It's clear that there's a huge opportunity for not just the work that you're doing, but more generally across a global basis for all public bodies or otherwise when it comes to the aggregation and presentation of this health data in a way that is accessible to everyone and empowers everyone to be able to to manage and understand and make sense of their own health data. And obviously never before has the demand from the public been so strong, as you said earlier. What do you think we can do then, you know, as an anthropologist, as someone who focuses in this area, what do you think the opportunity is for global healthcare companies or indeed simply within Denmark to, to make a change here? Well, first of all, there's a lot of opportunities within the digital design and the whole way of thinking UX and making things easy accessible. But I think that many people are and many companies are already focusing on this. I think it's really important also to focus on the situations where solutions like health decay or other health digital solutions are being introduced to patients. So, for example, focusing on the relationship between the healthcare professional and the patient. I think there's a huge opportunity, and I think that's one of the things that we also will focus on over the next couple of years, is actually educating healthcare professionals in how can you and how can your patients use our solutions so you have time for what's critical to you as a healthcare professional and as a citizen. So it's also about implementation and communication. And I think that's really, really key. And and that's also what I've learned the last couple of years in my research, speaking with healthcare professionals and also with citizens about this, how do you gain knowledge on using these tools and how can you be empowered when you use them? I think that's a really 
central thing to think about as well. I'm wondering if you, in all your work and research, have seen examples from across perhaps other companies, other public sector or other you know, nationalities or any other systems that you've seen elsewhere, or indeed across other industries where you're kind of looking at what they're doing and thinking they, they've got it right or that's something that we should we should look to? Definitely. I think that sometimes it can be really inspiring also to look outside your own industry and your own sector because then you kind of see things in a new light. So I think that some companies, to give an example of private companies, that really look into what is the whole user journey, what is the experience, how do we truly create value for our users or our customers. A good example, I think, is different food boxes. I don't know what's, what it's called in English. Oh, there are loads of different ones like Gusto or Mindful Chef prepackaged recipes and ingredients and exactly so for example we have many danish companies as well that are, are delivering and and really thinking about what is the full customer journey and how can we truly provide value to make life easier and i think sometimes it would be healthy for public organizations to also think about this, to think of our users or patients or citizens as how can we truly create value for them and make their lives easier. So how can I make the life easier for a patient with a chronic disease so he or she always has a digital tool in their pocket and empower them as patients, as persons. What would you say are your key takeaways for people listening to this podcast who are perhaps within the health industry or on the outskirts of the industry or indeed in a different industry but looking to, to make similar decisions? What would be your primary takeaways for them? I would definitely say making digital tools easy, accessible, and user-friendly. It sounds really simple, but sometimes when when you work within a certain industry, you tend to, over the years, kind of make things more complicated than is actually necessary. So looking into what is the real behavior of people and how can we design our solutions according to that instead of trying to change people's behavior because we know that's a really difficult task and then looking into the different situations that the tools are used and remember to focus on implementation instead of only digital development that is really what I want to focus on and last but not least inclusive design where we think about different kinds of users and catering to their needs and creating value for more people. Trees, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about your own experience at Health DK. I'm sure it's going to be very interesting to a lot of people listening to this and exciting to see what happens next. And hopefully, as we said at the start there, this pandemic will be the start of a shift in the way that this information 
uh, is presented to, to citizens and the access that they have to their own health data as well. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the latest transformation series from Valtech Cafe. Hit subscribe to get access to our whole back catalogue of conversations. And if you'd like to know more about what we do, why not visit us at valtech.com for all the details. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>